Hello and welcome back to the Fight Gravity Show. It's me, John. I've been away for a little bit dealing with some other things here. I don't want to go into too many details. Suffice to say, there's been a lot of curveballs at my way and there's been a lot of paperwork and documents I've had to take care of over the past month. And it's been a little stressful and it has challenged me a lot. And it's I'm running out of words it's just been really hard and I've been doing my best and sometimes it's just been I feel like I've been shutting down and then I have to kind of push through my instincts to shut down fortunately though I do have my doTERRA essential oils to help me push through and help me get back into a state of balance I'm not saying this as a call to action for you two. I'm just saying these are tools that I've been using. So when things first kind of hit the fan, I'll either feel stress up in my chest or I'll kind of feel that in my stomach. I lost a couple kilograms in like a few days or like about four or five pounds because of stress. So using like our Digest Zen to get my my stomach like easing it that's our digestive blend and for my nervous system I've been using something called Kapiba so Kapiba is like it comes from a tree the bark of a tree in the Amazon okay and what it does it's like a CBD oil so to speak it binds to like CBD2 receptors throughout your body so you nourish your your nervous system it helps you calm down and it doesn't have any of the psychoactive compounds like other substances or anything like that so you can you can check out more like doTERRA.com you know do a search Kapiba C-O-P-A-I-B-A and I could also put a link if you want or you could just reach out to me Anyway, these are a couple tools I've been using to help me stay balanced and keeping going with a lot of things being thrown at me. But moving on, I wanted to talk about variety in your fitness routine. And sometimes people talk about mesocycles, not changing too much, but changing enough manipulating variables and kind of stuff like this and it's all really important but how do we how do we make this like tangible for everyday people without it turning into like a big complicated like two-hour podcast or even like a master class on on how to periodize your training and and cycles and mesocycles and other kind of stuff like that mm kind of hard to do and everybody does this differently this is why people hire trainers and they kind of build this and they assess this is why people create like 90 day plans or even like a two month plan 60 90 days right and you do something for 60 to 90 days then basically switch make a few changes reassess your goals so in order to do this you need to establish goals what do you what are you working towards you know, and then from there, then you develop a plan and you work towards it. And 
after two or three months assess where you're at reflect back on your goals and because maybe after two or three months your goals will change and then you keep going for people kind of just starting this is really simple weight loss you develop a plan you go at it for two or three months okay how much weight have I lost hmm okay I've lost this much that much you know how do I feel about my progress good bad okay and what has led into this what factors and then okay knowing the whole picture what's gone into your results good bad okay maybe you're disappointed maybe you feel like you should have lost like a hundred pounds in three months which is not realistic but this is something you can reflect on like so was my goal realistic and then you just kind of change again and every two or three months making small changes and reflecting on your goals and this is just an ongoing process I think one easy way to look at this is basically seasonally just like an easy organizational piece there's no research I can I can cite at this moment to actually support this notion um, but knowing that like if you we keep doing the same thing you know the same things are going to be happening so we always have to do something a little bit differently so for a season you know I'm gonna do this that the other thing another season this that the other thing you know going through your training because naturally we can't like just build muscle all the time in that context so then like doesn't make sense to really focus on building muscle all year long 24 7 when you're not actually going to be able to probably naturally build muscle the entire year probably not you're gonna you're gonna gain some you're gonna lose some you're gonna build some fat you're gonna build some muscle you're gonna lose some fat you're gonna lose some muscle that's gonna go up and down in that context for people losing weight it's a little bit different mm -hmm. But yeah, you're going to be more like maybe you could just be at maintenance or just a little bit below maintenance, eh, focusing on strength, getting cardio in, maybe doing keeping your rest periods short, right? Dialing in on your your diet, stuff like that. Um, so you you see how there's like a lot of factors here. So to make this just like one thing like just do this one thing it's kinda more complicated but if you look at it like seasonally that I think that's an easy organizational piece so what what are things I'm gonna focus on this season I'm gonna focus on da 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 and the end of the season you know that's like a nice easy transition again that might not work for you be your own scientist talked about this before on previous episodes try the idea it might work for you it might not so try it, modify it, roll with it. Myself, for example, at the beginning of the year, I was splitting my time between, like, focusing on strength, like, trying to get better at pull-ups, push-ups, one-legged squats, and also practicing skills. I was doing a lot more handstand practice, a lot more planche, practice uh, human flag to maintain not really trying to push any records front and back levers 
bridges, working a lot more on like stand-to-stand -stand bridges. So I was hitting these a lot more. Monday, Wednesday, hit the front levers and back levers more. Tuesday, Thursday, I was hitting handstand and planche, planche more. And Saturdays, I was trying to get some planche practice in. Sometimes like Friday. Sometimes I would just do so I'm like front and back lever practice in, in addition to strength training. <clears throat> I then, I think it was February maybe, I had like some actually some access to a gym. I don't normally lift weights. So, yeah, I mean, lifting a little bit with a friend. And, I mean, I was I was pretty happy. I was pretty happy what I could do. I could do dumbbell bench press with 35-kilogram dumbbells. That's about 70 pounds. I could also row about the same amount, 30, 35 kilograms, you know, single-arm dumbbell row. I was pretty happy with that. Mm, like, squatting and deadlifting was, like, really hard. I don't remember how much I did. Um, well, wait, you know, on, on a trap bar deadlift, like 110, 110 pounds, not pounds, 110 um, kilograms at a body weight of about like 79.80. So it's roughly 1.3, you know, 1.3, 1.37 times my body weight, which is not amazing in a 110 kilogram deadlift. I don't lift weights. Trying to do, I was trying to do a uh, weighted squat was really hard. I've, I have not practiced weighted squats, and knowing this, I wasn't trying to do a lot at all. I was basically just trying to do my body weight, about like 80 kilograms, and I did feel a little bit awkward. So this is where strength is also a skill, and a lot of guys, reputable folks. You know, in the strength training space, also press upon the importance of strength as a skill. So I could go down to parallel with my body weight, and I wasn't, again, I wasn't trying to like set records. I feel better with a, a little bit of like a low bar position. Uh, maybe because like pistol squats, I my best guess is they have a better transfer to low bar squats because the use of the posterior chain in order to really get good at pistol squats you, you're going to want to like kick back a little bit almost like you're doing an rdl and then coming down and that's where you kind of hit the quads um so it's like you know, like a little bit of a leg press and or squat and a little bit of like a like romanian deadlift and pavel tatsu line i might be pronouncing that wrong he, he also goes into, so I think, some really good details. I think some of the best information out there on, like, pistol squats. So, yeah. Um, lifting weights doesn't really excite me too much. But a little bit here and there. And I also, I've always been strong on leg press. Like, not having lifted weights, like, for years and basically focusing on like body weight I was able to do 220 kilograms on a leg press boom 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 right full range of motion coming knees coming in going out great yeah I mean I'm, I'm not surprised and that's like 440 like 480 you know that's around 480 pounds and I was doing like sets of I did what two or three sets of like eight I think like seven eight 
And with that said, yeah, deadlift, and so the deadlift was definitely hard. Um, I opted for a trap bar deadlift. It's much easier, especially with my long femurs, than a conventional deadlift. I did, I did get like 130 kilograms on a deadlift like a few weeks later. This is like the end of February. So I wasn't lifting weights a lot. I was just like, I'm going to go in a little bit and kind of just see what I do. Test the waters a little, right? So 130, double, double overhand. So I had an overhand grip on both hands. So 130 is like... What, 260? Um, so it's almost 300. That's like 296. It was hard. It's hard. So again, that's not amazing. I'm not breaking records. Um, in terms of my body weight, let me see. Let me do some math real quick. So I sit around at 80 kilograms divided. So uh, 130. Uh, uh, 130 divided by 80 so that's like 1.6 times my body weight it's not amazing it's not like what other people espouse it's not like oh like 545 kilograms or whatever but I, I don't I don't lift weights I don't you know, so again, I was pretty happy with what I did, but based on those results, I decided to change my routine a little bit, focus a little bit more on legs. I wanted to focus a little bit more on quad development. I wanted more control in my pistol squats. And I wanted to like find some other ways to increase the strength in the back of my legs using body weight. So what I started doing, I shifted my focus on pistol squats to just practicing it as, as a movement instead of like sets and reps, practice, practice the movement, doing regular squats, like feet together, against the wall, half range, bench, um, going down with one leg and up with two, going up with one leg and going down with two, right? Working that bottom position where you're completely bottom, you extend one leg, and you're just kind of going up and down a little bit. And of course, like a variety of like pistol squat variations. Again, when I'm doing this, I'm just doing like one or two reps. So I'm really, I'm trying to practice the movement and the pattern. So a pistol squat with the leg kind of angled down just off the floor, and then with the other leg parallel, hands behind my head, hand straight behind the back behind the back is really hard you can search like Al Cavadlo on YouTube and you can see he's really good at his hands like are behind his back like towards the lower end and he's doing a pistol squat you can also he's got videos of him doing like a plyometric pistol squat so he's squatting he gets down into a pistol squat position then goes up and boom like freaking awesome I, I obsess a little bit about leg strength because it's always been a strength of mine like when I was 130 pounds at 17 years old I could leg press 300 pounds I had no upper body strength but I could leg press
you know, at some point we have to plug our weaknesses. But anyway, so I was focusing on pistol squats in this movement. Okay, great. I also started adding sissy squats, and it really helps kind of isolate like your quads a bit more. Normally, I don't do much quad like quad isolation, and I don't do like isolation exercises usually. But you know, it was a good challenge. I think like Mind Pump, they had some really good cues on how to do sissy squats, engaging like your posterior chain. So getting your hips in like a posterior pelvic tilt and you're going down like at an angle. Daniel Vandal, Fitness FAQs, also talks about doing sissy squats. I think he has a really good how-to video, Daniel Vandal. So you can check that out, search Fitness FAQs. Great content, it's really helped me a lot. Mm. But yeah, so I was practicing sissy squats more. I was also doing like reverse Nordic curls. And that's where you're like, your, your knees are on the ground, your, your shins are on the ground, okay, you're upright, so your legs are forming a 90 degree angle, and then you're going back. Again, when I do it, I engage in a posterior pelvic tilt, so my core is engaged, my upper body stiff, I'm going far back. I already like developed flexibility through like martial arts training and, and yoga, so I already had the four inch of motion, but I'm, not, I'm trying not to get my hips into an anterior tilt as I go down, which makes it easier to get into the position. So keeping that posterior tilt and feeling the tension, especially in, in the, the front of my quads. So working that more, as well as, what are they called? Glute ham raises maybe. You anchor your feet and you kinda go down. So a lot of, a lot of people do this exercise, right? So again, doing those more, that's where I was focusing on legs. For like pulling, I was focusing a lot more on explosive pulling. I could, on an explosive pull up, I could pull to here, but it was really hard to pull down to my waist. That was really, really hard. So I was really doing that, practicing multiple grips. I've always found with pull ups, practicing multiple grips helps a lot. And another, I think he was a gymnast on another podcast. He, he was talking in context of planche. And one of his big takeaways was practicing the planche with different hand positions. And it's like, yeah, I can really relate, relate to that. I find practicing in like in different hand positions helps a lot. So you see how variety, well, variety has a place in different ways. So practicing, eventually I got a point where I could do like one or two pulling to my, I was pulled into my belly button. I was really proud of that. So that was really good. And I was also working more on one hand, like one hand pulling, doing a lot more of that. So I would work overhand position, an underhand position, and a neutral grip. So archer, archer pull-ups, and I would the, my other hand would be holding with two fingers. I was working on that. And then for, I was also wanted to work more on overhead pressing because back in February when I lifted a little bit, right, just here and there like, like a test, right, or like a quiz. In, in teaching pedagogy, you would say it'd be like a formative assessment. Shout out to my, anyone who's in education or teaching. <laughs> uh, so it was like a formative assessment. It was like a little bit of quiz. And it's like, all right, overhead pressing was really hard. 
I mean, it makes sense. I and I don't lift weights, and it was hard. I did like I think like 50 kilograms. 50 kilograms is about 100 pounds. It's sitting at like 79. It's like I could do handstand push-ups, but 50 kilograms was definitely a challenge. I could kind of squeeze out 55 with questionable form, <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, let me work more on handstand push-ups. So I've been working more. I've been working a lot of these more. Regular handstand push-ups, like warm up with a couple sets half rate, halfway down, and then do some full range handstand push-ups, back facing the wall, okay? Posterior pelvic tilt, boom, core is engaged the whole time. So you're kind of, there's there's the, the banana action a little bit, but again, you're not letting your hips tilt forward. You're engaging your core to be in a posterior pelvic tilt, engaging like your rectus abdominis and your spinal erectors. Mm hands together like a close grip so following some of the progressions from convict conditioning I've only seen I think one guy who can actually do like the close the close grip hands like like a diamond handstand push-up I can get maybe like halfway down the stress on the wrists and the elbows it, it's horrendous what i do is i manipulate my position so I, I don't keep it in a perfect position i do turn out a little bit and really try to grip the floor hard and i, I try to create some tension from the beginning that helps me a lot i was practicing uneven handstand push-ups and i was also doing archer so i would do two warm-up sets of like five half range handstand push-ups. I would do one set of five regulars. I would do the five close grip. I was doing five uneven handstand push-ups on each side. So right hand elevated, left hand elevated. Then I would do three to five reps. Archer. Archer handstand push-ups, but I wouldn't like if you see in for those familiar with convict conditioning the archer handstand push-ups They're in position the legs are spread you, you're shifting your weight onto that one hand and The the hand the so the non-working hand with the archers. It's like the fingertips are touching I'm not that strong in the overhead position I'm, I'm not yet I'll get there, but not yet. But what I was doing is keeping my non-working hand on the ground, and I shift my, I'm shifting as much weight as I can handle onto that, coming down, and then going back. And that's where I was at. And I was making good progress. I was pretty happy, feeling a lot stronger. Um, I, has, I really also felt good, especially about the progress in my legs, feeling a lot stronger. And... I could reach a point where kind of stopping like about the halfway point in a pistol squat was getting easier and easier and like oh. I also started doing a little bit more explosive work so coach Paul Wade and his calisthenics series he's got his explosive calisthenics book and so I was working like explosive push-ups more on kind of my off days like Tuesday Thursday explosive I was doing more explosive push-ups and then the jumping and I was sprinting a little bit definitely I don't I don't like running 
but sprinting is sprinting's a lot more fun. I have a lot more fun sprinting. The idea of going out and running for an hour, not not fun. But calisthenics, all these things that I work on, it it's fun. I, I enjoy it. It's hard. It it's it's challenging. It's not easy. I enjoy it. And so it's easy to kind of keep working towards that. But yeah, explosive work. I kind of injured my um, like um, like some ligaments. I think ligaments or some tendons. I'm not quite sure in my left hand. Um, going a little bit too much on the explosive push-ups, so I had to back off from those for a little bit. But I could go kind of to my hips, and with enough power and gusto, I could kind of go back and touch my butt. And then bring them back. So I was making good progress. And so after some time, so I was going, going, working, working, working. And then shit started hitting the fan in May. Okay. So these changes I just mentioned, I was really dialing in on this like March, April, and most of May. Then by the time June hit, and things were you know, things were kind of in flux. I was still kind of sort of maintaining my routine a little bit in in June, but it was just like I really need to change. January I was still very like January and February I was very like skill focused with like while maintaining my strength, and I had my little quizzes with weights. March, April, May, right a, a big strength phase for me up level my leg strength and my overhead pressing strength then I started backing off a little bit in June and then eventually it's just like you know I need to I need to change gear a little bit so I spent two weeks just focusing on isometrics so I was doing isometrics using the doorway using just like my own power using I have a chain I have a chain and I have like another another pull-up bar that I could like pull and push against and do different isometric stuff so a couple weeks isometrics and then now I started a kind of like a grease the groove program and what how I'm trying to frame it is I'm just like practicing movement so I'm I'll, like just like a few like sissy squats some the reverse like Nordic curls glute ham raises some one hand pull up practice, some one hand overhand handstand practice, one hand, one leg, like push up practice, really low reps, trying to do this every day, almost every day, like five, six days a week. It takes me about 20, 25 minutes. I'm just focusing on the movements. I'm doing the best to, to dial in on the form, be present. And this is my plan right now. And my goal is to do it for three or four weeks probably four weeks would be better and I want to reassess after like three or four weeks and if it's still like if I'm making some good progress then that's good I'll, I'll probably keep it up in August and then I'll change probably in September and go back like hardcore skill practice and kind of maintaining strength mmm but for now, yeah, this is where I'm at. So 20 minutes.
So this gives you an idea of what I've been doing. That was like a, a little, kind of a long explanation, but yeah. So it's like I'm making changes, but not always making changes. And this gets me like to another topic is like how much do we change? If you're if you're changing it, and if you're trying to go for something where literally every single workout is different. I mean, there's things out there. There's there's workout generators and there's apps and there's a bunch of stuff. I mean, you could do that. I would question how much you make progress. And I see this all the time where people just like, they want variety and they want novelty. Exercise is boring and this is what I need to like, to like make it fun and exciting. And, and, and I get that. You, you like you want to make it meaningful you you want it you want your movement practice and your exercise routine to kind of be fun but i mean you got to grind you got to work towards mastery so like yeah building some variety but you you've got to and that's that's like that this mental component where if it's if it's not always new then i'm just not going to do it and it's like like well We, we, you know, you have to evolve your mindset. You're not five years old. I would understand a five-year-old, and I have experience teaching five-year-olds, so I, I know firsthand. I do. Like a five-year-old, a five-year-old doesn't need to exercise. And sometimes I still get that being here, and parents are like, oh, teach my child to exercise. Like, no. A child doesn't need a personal trainer. Child doesn't need a gym. Throw them out in like, like the woods, forest. Not not literally, but you know, go out in nature, interact. You know, be be the parent, the loving, supportive parent you are, and they can have fun, explore, and they can explore safely. That's why you're there. Make sure they're safe so they can try to climb and and run and jump and skip. Go to the playground, park, play some sports, and then they just eat good food. You know, I don't want this to, I don't want to carry on too much on this topic, but I mean, for kids, it's kind of that simple. But like, when we're an adult, in order to get results, we do kind of need to work towards mastery. So we need like a set of movements and get good at those you look at like accomplished individuals there's not hundreds and hundreds of exercise I mean at the end of the day uh, squat bench deadlift overhead press um, maybe some rowing pull-ups dips it, it's really it it's a short list there's always everyone puts their spin on it you know, so you look at guys over the last hundred years who are like really strong. It's a, it's a short list. This is what we're doing. This is what we're working on. Working towards mastery. Your fitness journey, that's the same thing. Working towards mastery. Get good at something. The better you get at something, that that's incentivizing. You're going to want to keep getting better because you're getting results. So it's like just working out to burn calories, It's it's not enough. When you're excited about trying to achieve mastery in something, that will carry you through your life. Like one of the things 
that has just been really motivated to me, and I saw it years ago. This 90-year-old guy in the Amazon in, in Brazil, and he's climbing trees that are, like, really, really tall. They're, like, 30, 40, 50 feet up. For those in the metric system, I'm not quite sure what that is in meters. But maybe, like, 20? 20, 20? Yeah, maybe 20 meters. Like, 30 meters would be around, like, 90 feet. I don't think it was, like, 90 feet. So I don't think it was, like, 30 meters. Like, like probably 15 to 20 meters. It was tall. Again, he was like 90 years old. And he jumped from tree to tree. Like, oh, yeah. That's what I want. I want to be like like 90 years old, climbing trees. And bah. But, yeah, so there's, there you go, variety. Throw in variety. Not too much variety. Work towards mastery. Reflect on your goals. Right, nothing new. You know, try out changing with the seasons. Okay. And see how it works for you. Use what works, discard the rest, right? Bruce Lee, whoa, been quoted a million bajillion times. It's it, it's a good concept. You know, take everything in and then what do I need? And just because you discard something doesn't mean there's not value to it. It's just that at that moment, that's not what you discard. It's, it's not going to bring you towards your goals. But this is why we need to always reflect and grow and embrace a growth mindset. Because at some point, what you threw away, when you shift your goals, then you might have to throw out what you kept and then bring back what you threw. So, yeah, bear that in mind. So... I am going to start to wrap this up and I first want to say I am really grateful for all of you who are listening on other platforms I'm super grateful for it and I'm so thankful for your support and that that's great that I can keep this going and get my message out there despite being canceled by the YouTube overlords so thanks for that I do believe in freedom of speech and I believe if Western society and American society specifically at large is really going to grow and evolve in a positive way where we really have liberty and justice for all not some where we where we make small changes to our model because we do need change we do need change we do need to make changes and really work towards that goal liberty and justice for all not so and we're not going to do that by censoring people we're not going to do that by canceling people we're going to do that by listening to others and sitting in disagreement trying to understand before you disagree don't dismiss them outright try on their perspective sit in it hmm think listen to it when you listen to someone you disagree with it's not it doesn't have to be a personal attack and the more we do this the more we're going to grow together the more we're going to grow together as Americans instead of like this like divisiveness 
So just like sitting in that disagreement and trying to understand. And I'm I am not going to sit here and play one side. I am independent. I am not a registered Democrat. I'm not a registered Republican. I do not want to be. I do not want to be registered with a party. I think taking issues one by one and thinking about them, looking at the facts and the totality, and then also based on your values and the income and income outcome that you want, I think it makes a lot more sense than filtering your behavior based upon your political party. I don't think that's really sound, and I think that's kind of failing us. And I think the whole identity politics thing is also failing people. Like, you must be this because whatever. Um, I could go a lot of different directions with that. And I'm trying to wrap this up. So maybe some other time I could go into that because I could... There's so many different rabbit holes I could rant on that, and I don't want to right now. I, I want to keep this episode succinct. So, freedom of speech. We need freedom of speech. We need all perspectives. We don't have to agree on everything, and that's okay. We need some elements to stay the same, and we need some elements to change. Jordan Peterson, I think, puts this in a good way. Maybe you disagree with Jordan Peterson because you're extremely liberal. Great. That's okay. Disagree with him. Listen to what he says. And disagree. Mm. So listen to others. Sit in that disagreement. Try to understand their perspective. Try to ask the questions. And the better we get at this, and it's like we can sit here and ask questions with someone we disagree with. And again, we're like, oh... That's where it coming from. And when you really understand how they formulated their perspective, you still might disagree. Because you might disagree, like, where they're getting their sources from. You might, like, think the solution is different. But there also might be elements that you do agree on. And this whole process, we just kind of keep going, and things are going to get a lot better. They're going to get a lot better when more of us do this. And when we have these open discussions, and people are like, oh boy, man, it's it's their fault, it's their fault, it's their fault. Fine, whatever. You know, let, let other people play the blame game. Playing the blame game is not going to help either side, because the reality of the situation, both sides are guilty of playing the blame game. Radical factions on the left and the right are responsible for playing the blame game. Stop it. Blaming doesn't help. Listening, asking questions, seeing what we can agree on while also agreeing to disagree. And finding commonalities in our values. But yeah, anyway, I'm going to stop there. Thank you very much for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Thank you for your support and stay awesome.